Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Who is the B2B enterpriser? Successful, talented, diverse B2B professionals that share one thing in common. You feel unheard in the B2B industry. But not today. Not here. Not now. Today, we see you. We hear you. Get ready to break boundaries and make change. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but now. Welcome to Enterprise Now. What's up, world? That intro is fire. And I'm not saying it just because it's mine, but that is dope. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is actually the very first episode of the refocused, rebranded, new direction. Everything's new. And so I'm super excited to be able to bring this content to you guys because I am confident that if you guys dig in, if you guys take notes, engage, connect, your business is going to be better off. So I don't want to spend too much time talking. I'm super excited to get our guest in. I'm going to bring him in. Joe, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Nice intro. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, Joe, we did a pre-interview, and I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself in a little bit, but literally the last few weeks, I have been pouring over what we talked about, and the excitement that I have for not only you, your organization, but the implications across the small business and business landscape I'm like literally chomping at the bit, like to get more information, to learn more about, you know, what it is that you you're working on. Um, But before we get into all of that stuff, why don't you tell us um, a little bit about yourself and and your background? I'm a lawyer, CPA for 30 years, Uh, did a lot of work in small capital markets, helping companies raise money. One of the companies I helped was what became really the first, if not among the first three electronic stock exchange in the, in the history of the country. And so I have a working knowledge of how the capital markets work and how stock exchanges work and going public, you know, I, the IPO market, I have a lot of knowledge about that. And I've partnered with a capital firm. The Dream Exchange is now um, headed to be the first minority-owned stock exchange in the history of the country. And that's what we're up to right now. There's a, there's a lot to that, but that's that's what we're doing right now. And I hope I got you. My technology is hopefully working. So talk about, first of all, the thing, I mean, I, I kind of understand what a stock exchange is, but I don't really. So yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about what a stock exchange even is and how businesses benefit from it? Yeah, great. So You know, businesses raise money. Today, there's only two ways to actually sell shares of stock today. One is to take your shares and prepare all the documents needed, registration documents, send them to the government, to the Securities Exchange Commission, 
Now you're public. Any person can invest in you. Even though that you accomplish registering the shares, stock exchanges then have to examine the company to make sure that when they offer the shares through the exchange, that the company is eligible to be listed. So stock exchanges carry the traffic of the buying and the selling of all the shares of stock for companies that have gone the route of registering their shares and becoming public. That's one way. The other way is privately, and that's what most people are familiar with. They're like crowdfunding and angel investing and venture capital investing. All those are sales of company shares in the not public market or the private markets. So what we're doing is creating a unique brand of stock exchange to offer companies the opportunity to go to the entire American investing public and raise money to expand their companies and then be listed on a very customized small business type of stock exchange, especially in the minority community. That's who we're targeting as a stock exchange. And that's how they work. It's basically matching the people who want to buy shares with the people who want to sell shares and using the financial technology to match buyers and sellers all day, every day. That's what you see when you see the New York Stock Exchange indexes and the NASDAQ indexes when they talk about is the market up, is the market down. They're really talking about how often did a buyer and a seller meet at the stock exchange. It's a little bit like a supermarket. You know, the buyers come, they want to buy tomatoes, the supermarket is there. They bought tomatoes from someone else, but the marketplace, the supermarket, is there to offer all the different products to buyers. Stock Exchange does that with company shares. So all the different companies that are selling shares of stock, they come to a stock exchange, they present their company's information, and then people are able to buy and sell their shares using the rules of a stock exchange. That's actually all a stock exchange is. It's a set of rules governing the buying and the selling of stock to the American public. Now, all that sounds fantastic, but what's the hurdle? Why is this the very first minority-owned stock exchange? Like, what's the problem? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so, you know, historically, stock exchange has been around for 230 years in America. It's still a little bit of a mystery to me why the black community in particular has not really participated. Uh, there are over 6,000 companies on stock exchanges today, and only eight of them are, are black-owned. So it's just been a historical problem where a black-owned company hasn't really chosen this path. In addition, there are only seven stock exchanges in the country. So in terms of uh, being a minority business enterprise or majority-owned, majority black-owned company, I just don't think that, you know, historically there's been a lot of participation in financial services and finance in the black community. And we're, we're creating all kinds of literacy programs and educational programs to bring the black community into the public markets because that's where wealth is created. So historically, it's just been, I think the, the simple answer to your question is it's been low interest. It's been a, an environment where for centuries, stock exchanges have been, um, you know, not something that the minority participation has been high. And, you know, some of the stock exchanges that exist today, the Philadelphia Stock Exchange was started in 1790. So they've been around for hundreds of years, and, you know, 1790 is 
60 years before the Civil War. So it wasn't as if uh, there was going to be a black-owned stock exchange during that time. And I think our idea, it's time for this idea. It's an idea whose time has come where uh, increased black participation in public capital markets uh, is just a necessity today to create prosperity and wealth and companies and jobs and, and you know, somebody has to do it. A, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, a journey of a thousand miles begins with but a step. So we're taking the first step in the right direction. Regardless of what the history has been, we're setting a new course and charting a new path so that there's an increased participation in this part of the Amer American economy. Now, I heard you say part of it is interest in terms of the entrepreneurs themselves, but I happen to believe that there are probably other hur hurdles <laughs> that are involved with the reason why we don't see more interest and participation. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's, it's a very technical subject. So creating a stock exchange isn't exactly something for the faint of heart. That's why there are only seven in the United States. It's, it requires a tremendous amount of uh, technical expertise. In fact, among finance professionals, I, I don't find a lot of people like myself who part of the founding of a stock exchange like I was 27 years ago. So there's a missing knowledge capital in what is a very technical subject and a very rare subject. Now, in addition to that, <clears throat> I think that the entire subject of raising money and investing money for a very long time, it has been a relationship-driven environment. Uh, if you know a good venture capitalist, you might be able to raise money. If you don't have relationships, it's hard to raise uh, money. And certainly in this environment, there aren't a vast number of people with the re relationships to create those type of businesses. So the American public, generally, in all entrepreneurs, not just you know black entrepreneurs or minority entrepreneurs, you know, the Hispanic community as well. It's not merely that there's a lack of knowledge capital. There's a lack of relationships. And um, we're building those relationships for the first time ever. There's, we're building a brand new environment and bringing information and technology into an environment that's very complex, very technical, but also something that has piqued the interest. The interest in what we're doing is extraordinary. So I think it's just a, a, a natural outgrowth of how our society is growing and changing. And that's really one of the advantages we have, which is um, there's only one way for us to go, and that's up. So, But I think if we were attributing factors, the, the largest factor, I would say, is technical expertise. Uh, that's why just in general there are only seven stock exchanges. And then you add the complexity to how much participation has there been by the black community in, in finance generally and in capital markets and in those types of careers and th that type of training and those relationships. It gets even more rare uh, to see a business enterprise like ours uh, be created. And like I said, it's a natural outgrowth now. There's everyone wants to get on Robinhood and and build their wealth and create their own portfolio of stocks and and trade. And I mean, the, the currency markets, the cryptocurrency and and Bitcoin is 
it's it's kind of a um, a wave of new technology as well as interest by the public. So it just hasn't been there in the past. You had to know somebody, you had to know a broker, a stockbroker, you had to really know people with wealth to be able to participate in the business at all. And there's a growing groundswell of people who want to participate and are able um, and have the financial expertise and excellent companies. And, and we're building a team of people that are, I think, as the industry goes second to none. And that's really been one of the primary barriers is, and, and let me just say it this way from my heart, I just don't think there's been the will to do it as well. Uh, just I just don't think the necessity has ever dawned on anyone. Um, I don't want to blame anyone for that. We are where we are today, but you know the past has been one where uh, the interest in doing what we're doing, the interest in creating a minority-owned exchange, just hasn't been uh, something that has been a battle cry for anyone. And now I, like I said, I think the Dream Exchange is an idea whose time has come. It's about time. Got it. Before we're talking, we mentioned uh, about the boat is not there. Um, and you alluded to that it's very relationship driven. What are ways that we can close that gap and start to build those relationships? Yeah. So I use that analogy sometimes where if you give a man a fish, he has food for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he has food for a lifetime. Um, but if you build a man a, a boat or you help him finance his boat, uh, now he has a fleet of boats and he feeds the village and the city. And so without the uh, the financing for the boat building and without the relationships for it, you can prosper, but it's, it's um, fewer and further in between. So what we're really doing is going into the community. Like we already have one partnership with the Chicago Urban League. We're going to be taking the Dream Exchange literacy educational programs understanding of capital finance right into the community so we can see a public company growth in the minority communities, right in the black community. And that's where the relationships will be then born uh, because they aren't there. There's large corporations all across America and they have headquarters everywhere. Five miles from my office is the world headquarters of Allstate Insurance. They have about 30,000 employees at their world headquarters. Um, but they're not in they're not in an urban area. Um, they're a sprawling campus in the suburbs. We want to bring that type of business enterprise into the urban environment, which is like I said, why we're working with the Chicago Urban League, and to build the entrepreneurs who then can expand their companies, and the company will stay located in an area where all the relationships surrounding it really meaningful living wage career path jobs uh, will be created from what we do. And that's what these small public companies do. They, they create a lot of jobs. 92% of all jobs in a company are created after it goes public. So if you have a company and has 100 employees and it's able to go to the public markets, that company will have 1,000 employees. And that type of job growth in, uh, and no offense to minimum wage discussions, I, you know, I'm not weighing in on whether we should raise or lower the minimum wage. I just think that we need to give people real career path jobs that are higher than minimum wage substantially and in human resources and marketing and treasury and production and quality control and public relations. There's 
thousands of jobs that come to a company once it's public. And uh, we need to create more public companies, and the vehicle of having a stock exchange to help do that is our chosen solution to what is a real kind of societal blanketed problem where there isn't production and, and prosperity in a lot of communities. So that's what our purpose is, to build the engine that will then build the relationships. They'll come from that. So somebody watching this and they're considering if they want to get in this funding game, what are some of the steps and things that they need to do actively to be prepared to jump into that world? Because it's a completely different world than you know building a business uh, bootstrapping. Yeah, that's another really good question. So prepare now because we'll we'll probably in nine to 12 months, we're going to open our doors. Uh, we're still in the construction phase, but th that's first. Uh, that's not how. The best way I can give, the best bit of advice I can give anyone right now who's an entrepreneur, and we're called the Dream Exchange for a reason. You have to establish what your goal is. You have to really create a vision for your venture. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Because the bigger the idea, the more you're dreaming of, the more possible it is that the market will recognize your idea as something that can be very, very, very big. So even though it's a small idea and we intend to focus and have a potential market where people are raising as little as $5 million, and when you compare that to the current public companies, companies are going public today and, you know, it's $700 million, $800 million, a billion dollars. So $5 million is a very small amount of money. But if you're an entrepreneur and you have a goal and you have an idea, something out of born of your imagination that can grow, and can expand. That is something, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in or what type of company you're creating, that's something that as you prepare yourself, we're going to be interested in and in helping you reach the public markets. There are all the usual mechanics. So do you need to create your financial statements and make sure that you're incorporated and all your corporate documents are in order and your taxes are in order and your employees all have agreements. There's a lot of mechanics. But those things, as you have a great idea, with the financial support you can get, they tend to start taking care of themselves. Not to, not to say you should disregard them. It's just that when the idea is big enough, which is how a lot of the world's most famous companies today were created. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, if you, if you believe the story, uh, created Facebook in his college dorm room. Uh, he didn't have an employee benefits plan when he did that. Uh, and and I, I'm certain he wasn't worried about what their tax projections were. He just had a big idea. And as he started it and got some investor interest, well, naturally, he progressed to, you can buy part of his company today trading Facebook stock. So the key is your idea. What are you setting your goals on? There are thousands of people available, and we're introducing companies to qualified business professional consultants to help you with your finances and your legal work and your projections and all those mechanical uh, things that are needed to actually be compliant with the law. But if you don't have a big enough idea, make your idea big. Dream big. Make a, make a big idea out of it. See yourself at the end of your journey in some ideal scene that has a very large organization 
selling its products and services to, to thousands of people. When you see that, that's when you know you're headed in our direction. Uh, because we don't want to raise $5 million just so the investors can get back $5 million and $1. We want the investors and the owners and the entrepreneurs and everyone who supports the company to build wealth. Naturally, we want it to be worth $5 billion someday. So the key is, how do you go from $5 million to $5 billion? And if I have one piece of advice, it's focus on your dream. Focus on what you're imagining and focus on how big it can be. Um, and inside of that is, what is the solution you're offering? What is the key to why people will want to buy your products or want to help your company, both investors and customers? And if you have something that really helps people, a cure for cancer is a very valuable product. Now, not everyone has to have the cure for cancer to become a public company. People do sell computer monitors and speakers and, and, and uh, technology, and they manufacture wooden tables. Whatever your idea is, how can you distinguish that from the, all the other wooden tables and all the other computer monitors? And what is your dream of how your products will be used to improve people's lives. If you can explain that, you're headed for public company land. And no offense to the corner dry cleaners, but if you're a dry cleaners, how do you perhaps have a you know environmentally friendly way of cleaning clothes? People are going to be vastly interested in that today, as opposed to chemicals. You know, um, so whatever the idea is, even the dry cleaners has a pathway to public if their idea is worthy of a large audience of people across our whole nation wanting to participate and get on board to help them grow their, their company and to expand. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And my wife and I actually we were talking about this the other day, how you can have a, a junk removal company. It's, it's offering a service that I could be a junk remover guy, right? But how do you grow from uh, a service like that to big company that's serving uh, millions of people? So a lot of it is how you're building the business and outside of the service that you're offering. One question I have for you, Joe, is I hear the, the business owners in, in my mind saying, well, what about control? What about uh, maintaining vision and making sure that it's my company? What, what would you say to those folks? And that's a great question. And that is always the everlasting question of control of the business enterprise. Like how do you, once you, once someone else owns 51% ostensibly, you've lost control. They, they own more of it than you do. And again, going back to the vision and the dream, people invest in that. So at some point, just think of it in this context. Uh, if you have a company and it's worth a million dollars and you're hell-bent for leather that you're going to own 90% of it and you're unwilling to exercise kind of expansion of other owners, well, you'll own 90% of a million dollars or $900,000. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't own 90% of Facebook. In fact, uh, you know, when you start looking at the public company landscape, you only have to own 1% to actually be in control of a, of a very large company. I mean, Apple Computer is worth a trillion dollars. So you have to evolve the stages of the company so that you properly keep the vision while also expanding the ownership base. And as you expand ownership base, 
you should be doing things and accomplishing milestones to increase its value. So it's far better to own 10% of a company worth $100 million than it is to own 90% of a company worth a million dollars. Now, every entrepreneur, and I, I encourage everyone to do this, hold on tight to the vision. Because if you don't have a good partner, if you don't have people who believe in what you're doing, and that's why clarifying your goal, if they're not on the same journey as an investor as you are towards the same common goal, then you will lose your vision. And it happens every day where an investor comes in and uh, takes control of a company and the creator of the ideas is kind of lost. And we don't want that to happen to anyone. In fact, our idea is that by having a broad investing base of the American investing public in your company, the entrepreneur does stay in control. You're not getting just one investor partner. You're getting thousands of people who believe in the company, and you as the entrepreneur get to maintain control of your vision, maintain control of the direction the business will take, because no one of those investors is going to control your whole company. As it gets bigger, that's going to be that'll be some more interesting questions because large investment funds and they start making bigger investments as you get stronger. But the point is you're getting stronger, so they want your vision then. They want to buy into your vision. That's what they're investing in. Is they're investing in, in you. There was a, a client of mine who used to say, sometimes you invest in the horse and sometimes you invest in the jockey. And entrepreneurs are the jockeys. They're the ones who are going to win the race. So, and all I'm saying is make sure that the creation of what you're making, you know, the horse you're, you're proverbially creating is a strong enough, big enough idea and with the public markets you'll get lots of investors who believe in you and then you're more able to ride, you're more able to win that race. And you don't lose control of the company because that's what they're voting for. They're voting with their pocketbook by investing in you, perhaps smaller sums of money for each individual, but you the creator, the source of the creativity of the company, get to maintain that for a longer period of time by choosing a public market and being able to run your company even though you own substantially less of it. But that's where wealth is created. Every, every billionaire, every vastly wealthy person in our country today owns a very small part of a very, very large company. Unless they're, you know, the, the, to setting aside the, the people like, you know, Elon Musk who owns a great percentage of his companies, but most of the successful public companies, the people in control of, of those companies own a very, very, very small amount of the shares, but they're vastly wealthy. And that's, that's a more realistic goal for everyone. So you don't lose control by going public. In most respects, because it's such a broad investing base and you're not being controlled by a single, vent, single venture capitalist, you actually get more creative control of the company and more resources to expand your creativity through the public markets. It's a really good point. Shifting your, our mindset, right? Understanding what wealth is, how to build it and how to maintain uh, the vision and the, and the, the culture of the organization. Um, last question for you, um, Joe, before I let you go. What are some resources that we can share with people to help close that knowledge gap? Yeah, so today, uh, one of the things we're doing is we've actually created a, it's a social media site. It's called DreamX Connect. 
So if you go to our website, it, our website is dreamx.com. It's D-R-E-A-M-E-X.com. You can connect with other strategic uh, people. But what's really important about the social media site is if you're an entrepreneur, there's a menu-driven environment where all the tools, all the information, all the questions you might be having about what are people looking for and how do they look at my company, well, we've created a series of menus. And this is, uh, it's in its pilot stage. It's actually in its infancy. So you create an identity there and it, you will become educated in all of the different menu-driven questions so that you can put a profile of your company into a social media site. It also has a private messaging board. So we have investors. We have more than 2,000 identities in DreamX Connect right now. And, uh, you know, some of those investors are strategic. Some of them are, are aligned partners, consultants, and they will help with the education process. So the, we have people messaging one another and, you know, kind of meeting like on a, a LinkedIn for investing type of social media site where you can today, before we even open, go there and begin the process of, of populating your identity in that site. And then we also get the information um, and you can contact us, uh, info at dreamx.com. If you send emails to us, we have a staff of people. We, we actually have piloting programs to create that literacy, to create a, a tremendous amount of information on how do I actually go from where I am today on a journey to receiving public capital market money. So we're going to help people. That's part of the goal of the Dream Exchange is kind of to lift up the financial literacy so it's not so much of a mystery anymore. Like I literally have to get on, you know, webinars like this and explain to people public registration of stock. I would like that to become, you know, Starbucks coffee. I would like everyone to just understand, take advantage of a law created more than 80 years ago uh, is just tremendously valuable. So. 80 years ago, they passed the securities laws that create the opportunity to go to the general American investing public and raise money. So if you know how to use those laws properly, and we help you understand how to use them properly, then really good businesses will be able to flourish. So come to us. We'll help you learn. Go to DreamX Connect. We have executives that are, we're hiring people as we speak, putting them on board to help good small companies and entrepreneurs on board to the exchange once we open in, in about a year. That's awesome, Joe. Any last pieces of advice for people who are listening, who are still have questions? How can they contact you directly? I know I heard you give out your email address, but how can they reach Joe directly if they have questions? Yeah, so to get directly in communication, it is, it's info at dreamx.com. And then what happens is some of it needs to come to me. Some of it goes to the team of executives, and it's like, you don't need to talk to me. I'm just going to send you to Gus Tucker or someone. Um, so that's the best way to contact the organization and our website and can follow the media. I always say this with all of the I've been doing. I've probably done 100 webinars in this last year. My best word of advice is uh, two words, never quit. You just can't give up in any way. Don't, don't entertain the thought, uh, maybe it won't work. Those doubts and those reservations and those, that's the devil talking. Just ignore all that nonsense. You will be able to do it. A good idea that helps people 
will always succeed. The only reason that it doesn't is lack of fortitude. And I will tell you, you'll get discouraged. You're going to have bad days. I often say, if you haven't put your payroll on your credit cards at least one time, you're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> okay, so understand that all of that's going to happen. It's just a journey. And as long as you never quit on yourself, believe in yourself, it always comes out in the wash. You'll, you'll make it. And that's not trite. I'm not being trite. That's not just like, oh, some happy words of encouragement. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. It's true of professional athletes. It's true of entertainers. It's true of, of engineers and doctors and whatever profession you're in. If you're a professional entrepreneur, that's your profession. So you're going to go through whatever turmoil you go through. That's part of the journey. And as long as you don't give up and you believe in yourself, you will accomplish your goal and, and set your goal first so that when those bad times happen, you can revisit that and say, well, this is really why I'm doing this. This is the purpose of my life. I'm, I'm doing this to make this company exist. And once that becomes your purpose, it just, it kind of becomes like breathing and you don't stop breathing, do you? So make your company like breathing and never quit doing it and you'll be a success. That's my, it's always my final, I know there's somebody sitting there going, I just put my payroll on credit cards. You're fine. You're in good company. <laughs> it'll it'll work out. Just keep plugging away. Yes, 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 indeed. Thank you so much, Joe, for uh, joining us and sharing. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, witnessing the businesses that are going to be changed by what you guys are doing. We have some really big news coming. Uh, I hope in the next 60 days you should really track us. We're going to have some press releases soon, and uh, I, and I'll be happy to come back. I I've had a lot of fun with you. You do a great job, and uh, I'm really impressed with your show. So hopefully I'm coming back and I'm telling them, oh, here's how you get listed. Go to this person and they're taking applications. That's the day I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to be on your show for that one. And who knows, maybe it's one of my brands that will be helping get listed. Um, we, don't know. we are all takers. Bring it. <laughs> Bring it, Elsie. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. Okay. Thank you too. Folks, that was so full of gems and nuggets that you have to listen back and mine the nuggets. But that's really, really good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to stay in touch and join the Enterprisers Movement, join the email or the text list. And don't forget to share this with someone you know. Thanks again, folks. And we'll talk with you next time. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.